0: Thank you so much for joining us for this new series called Plug In. It's probably one of the most important series I've teached, taught in this particular season. If you're watching from San Jose, can you just simply say power? Go ahead, shout it out loud. Power. Yes. If you're watching from online, can you simply say power? If you, if you in the in the chat, in the Facebook chat, type the word power. This is a word and a concept that we engage with Almost every day of our lives. Here's the definition. Power equals the capacity to do or to accomplish. And we engage with it in a variety of different ways. For example, many of you listening to me right now remember or recall at some point someone asked you, what is your superpower? By that, they simply was asking, what is that unique gifting that you have that helps you to rise above adversity, for example? For others, when you think about power, you think about economic power, meaning the capacity to put food on the table for your family consistently and regularly, or the capacity to build wealth that you can pass on to the next generation of your family. For others, it's political power, the capacity to participate in the decision-making process that shapes and guides the future of your nation or your local community. Wherever you live in the world, can somebody say power If you live here in San Francisco Bay Area over the course of this past week with the temperatures reaching as high as 110 degrees, when you got ready to reach for that switch to turn on that air conditioner or turn on that fan, (laughs) your prayer was, God, let there be power. (laughs) Please. Somebody shout, power. (laughs) Oh, power. Part of the purpose of this series is to remind you that you and I, we have access to the greatest power in the universe, actually in all creation, and that's God. He is the source that exploded the creation and exploded the universe into being. And he comes to us in the person of his son, Jesus, God with us. And here's what one of Jesus' disciples said about him on the other side of Jesus' resurrection. John, he says, in him, Jesus is life, meaning that Jesus is the very source of life. And so Jesus speaks to us across the visits of time, and when we hear him say, come follow me, he's simply saying, come plug in. So the first task that I want to talk about for the most of today is what does it mean to plug in to Jesus? For some of you, it'll be about activating a new relationship. For others, it'll be about elevating your relationship Somebody shout, plug in. Yeah, the call is to plug in to Jesus. But what causes the faith that begins to shape our relationship with Jesus to flourish is actually one more element. You know, when you think about a beautiful flower blooming, oftentimes the secret to the blooming of that flower, those flowers, is in the soil that it's planted in the roots planted in the right and rich soil is what leads to the blooming of the flowers. So it is with your faith. God has always intended for us, yes, to plug into Jesus, but in order for that faith relationship to bloom and to blossom into a world-changing, life-transforming experience and faith for you, God intends for us to plant it in a faith-nurturing community. That's what we read in the Old Testament or the Hebrew Bible. Every, every experience in that Bible in the Old Testament is rooted in a faith-nurturing community. Whether you're talking about Abraham or Sarah or Gideon or Esther, they're rooted in a faith-nurturing community. In the New Testament, Jesus is born into a faith-nurturing community. He gives birth to a brand-new faith-nurturing community. And so part of this message is to challenge you to plug in your faith to Jesus and into a faith-nurturing community. And I'm going to make the course over the next four weeks that the faith-nurturing community that I believe that God has providentially positioned you to plug into Is NBCC, wherever you live and wherever you're watching from across the world. So I need you to walk with me for the course, over the course of the next four weeks. So let's get busy as we look at the first part of what it means to plug in to Jesus. Our passage comes from John chapter 15, verse 12 through 16. It is the night before Jesus' crucifixion. He is laying the final foundational pieces for that community that will ultimately become a Jesus-centered, faith- nurturing community. Listen to his words. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you keep my commands. I no longer call you slaves, Jesus says, because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now, You are my friends, since I have told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you, Jesus said. I appointed you to go and to produce lasting fruit. And I love this last part. So the Father will give you whatever you ask for in line with that lasting fruit production now. That's what he's really meaning, using my name. There ends the reading. And so the first task that I want to challenge us to focus on today is that Jesus invites us to plug in to him. I love the quote from uh, Tim Keller, Pastor Tim Keller. He says, everything starts with plugging into Jesus. Here's what he says. You begin with Christ, not by adopting an ethic, nor by turning over a new leaf, nor even by joining a community. That's not the first thing you do, he says. No, you begin by believing the report about what has happened in history. Did God really become a human being? Yes, I say. Did Jesus really live and suffer and die for you? Yes, I say. Did he really rise triumphantly over the grave? Yes, I say. If that is the case, then all the other things the Bible say about how to live begin to make sense. Somebody shout can you believe it? That's the question. Do I believe it? And if you believe it, that is the first step what it means to plug into Jesus. Secondly, plugging into Jesus involves trusting Jesus, listen to this now, for all and above all. Here's how the Apostle Paul captures the perspective of Jesus' followers on the other side of Jesus' resurrection. When he, was, when, he, when he showed up in his glory, and they saw him for the fullness of who he is, here's what they said about him. Now he, meaning Jesus, is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else. Did you hear that? It's above all of that, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. You know what they're describing? They're describing a Jesus first faith they're saying that that what really explodes faith in your life is not just a casual intellectual notion oh yeah i kind of believe no 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 it means that you make jesus the highest source of your love and your authority in your life he's he's higher than your political party or your preferential political candidate he's higher than your celebrative uh celebrity He's higher than your parents. He's higher than your lover. He's higher than your children. He is first. He's first. Whenever you look for a a Jesus-centered, faith-nurturing community, you're looking for one that declares that Jesus is first. That's the first step it takes to plug in. Now... Notice what Jesus says. Let's return to the passage that we we read just a few moments ago. Just before his crucifixion, he says these words, laying the foundation. He says, this is my command, guys. I know you know about all the Ten Commandments. You know about everything else. He says, but this this right now, this this is going to shape the future moving forward, and it includes everything that you've ever learned. He says, love each other in the same way that I have loved you. Then he says, that's the key. In the same way I've loved you. And basically he's going to say. You're not going to quite understand this. Until tomorrow when you see me go through the crucifixion process. And you won't fully understand it. Until I rise anew. And break the power of death itself. He goes on and he says. You see there's no greater love. Than to lay down one's. Life for one's friends. And you, you, those who plug into me, you are my friends if you keep my command. Well, what is my command? Well, I want you to love others, each other, in the same way that I have loved you. All right, let me quickly walk you through five gifts that Jesus provides for those who declare a Jesus first for whom he's not just a casual acquaintance or an intellectual kind of, 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 of belief. But Jesus is first. Five things, very quickly. Number one, uh, if you plug into Jesus relationally with him being first, you come to know that you are radically loved without condition. Now, when this get this point. If someone dies for you as an expression, of, that's radical love. And if God shows up and dies for you, as he did in Jesus, that is radical love. And I love what Paul, the writer, writes. He says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So it is unconditional before you do anything or perform in any kind of righteous way. Come on now. He has already declared I love you radically. And when this sinks into our psyche, it begins to transform how we see ourselves, how we value ourselves, and how we engage with the world. Somebody shout, power. Yeah, there's a power there. Secondly, it's, uh, to, the second gift he gives us is that he makes us free from guilt and shame. Those voices that keep speaking to you about stuff that transpired weeks, months, years ago that you've asked forgiveness for, but they keep bringing it up, bringing it up this shame that keeps saying to you, come on, you didn't just do something bad, but you are bad. You're worthless. You're unlovable. You're unworthy. Oh, my gosh. Jesus gives you the power, come on, to speak back to those voices and disempower those voices. Here's one of my favorite verses. Ephesians 1-7, Paul writes this. In him, meaning Jesus, we have redemption. That word redemption means freedom through his blood for the forgiveness of our sins in accordance with the great riches of God's grace. Through what he has shed on Calvary, he's paid the price. He's, he's, he's solved the issue. His death was an atoning death. John the Baptist, in the Gospel of John, declares this when he sees Jesus coming. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Come on. He's handled your guilt and your shame. First John says this. If we simply confess, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us and free us all of the shame and guilt wrapped up in unrighteousness. Somebody shout good news. Can you say power? There's power in that. And Number four, the fourth gift he gives us, uh, excuse me, the third gift that he gives us is that he frees us from death. You know, uh, here's what Paul writes in Romans ten nine: If you believe in your heart that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died for your sins, got up from the grave and confess it with your mouth. You shall be saved. Here's my word for safe. Safe. Not safe always from death. But safe, he means ultimately even in the midst of death. You know, I remember on occasion I uh, when I was flying a lot before the pandemic set in, I was on a flight from the uh, west coast to the east coast. And somewhere during the journey, the pilot uh, said in a very kind of calm voice, uh, I want everybody to put on their seatbelt. We're gonna we're gonna have some uh, uh, just some uh, little bumpiness for the next fifteen minutes. Nothing to be worried about. I said, fine. So put on my my seat belt. And then all of a sudden, the place started <laughs> and the next thing I know, it takes off. And then boom, 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 boom. And the next thing, it was back up again. Come on now, and everybody's grabbing. And all of a sudden, I thought I was in church. I heard somebody behind me say, Jesus. And over there, Jesus. I said, Jesus. <laughs> I was saying, Jesus. I don't think they knew it, but they were calling on him, baby. They were calling on him, Jesus. <laughs> and yet, when that plane landed, and I got off and I met the folk I was going to meet, they said, How was your flight? I said, Oh, it was a great flight. You see, guys, at the end of the day, any flight I walk off of is <laughs> a great flight. And yet, as we commemorate 9-11, we're reminded that evil is real and none of us are exempt. And so it can catch us in any way, even an explosion on a plane. And so I just want to say to you, my faith in Jesus assures me that if you ever happen to hear that a plane exploded and, and Pastor Herman is gone, don't worry about me. I'm safe. I've slipped from mortality into immortality. And Jesus, who I've trusted for all these years, he transitions me from temporal life to everlasting life. I am safe. Somebody shout power. There's a power when you're able to live free from the fear of death. Then number four, gift that he gives. The God's Holy Spirit fills and guides my life. For anyone who claims a Jesus first faith. You know, in John chapter 20, verse 22, when Jesus, immediately after he is resurrected from the dead. And the first time he encounters the disciples, the text says these words. Then he breathed on them and said, "Receive the Holy Spirit." Bedded in that Greek text is the Hebrew concept of rule, that breath that hovered over." creation and gave birth to creation it's that same breath that the Genesis writer in 2-7 says that God breathed into dirt that he had shaped the form of humanity and that dirt came to life somebody shall power breath and, and the text tells us that whenever we put our faith in Jesus come on and accept him uh, as the highest source of love and authority in our lives he gives us his Holy Spirit to empower us along the way, somebody shout power. And then finally, finally, ah, when we know that He had loved us radically and unconditionally, set us free from sin and guilt and, and free from death, and given us the power of His own presence, His Spirit to live within us, it redefines our sense of purpose and meaning. Now, I'm going to back into what I mean by that in a moment. I want you to to take a picture of this very next point. Plugging into Jesus involves accepting his partnership invitation. Can you say partnership? Yeah, his partnership invitation. Uh, Listen to what it says right here. He says in verse, I no longer call you slaves. I I hear a promotion coming here, y'all. Because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now, you are my friends. Come on, I'm promoting you from slave to friend. Hey, see the promotion? Come on, come on, from slave to partner. Since I have told you everything the Father told me. You see, at the end of the day, I want you to know you didn't choose me. You may be deciding to follow me and to plug in now. But before I laid the foundations of the world, I chose you. And I want you to hear me say to you now that I've appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit with your life. It's one thing to relate to Jesus as one who provides us with the five gifts that I've said. It's another thing to recognize that he invites us into that relationship with the expectation that at some point we're going to grow, come on, and assume our role as partner with him in the work of redeeming the world around us. I, I, I like to say it like this. Plugging into Jesus involves a commitment. Watch this, to transition from radically being loved to radically loving. Let me give you a very quick example of what I mean as I think about this 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 notion. You know, I've raised two kids, and I'm raising my young nephew right now. I remember when my two kids were babies, six months old, year, whatever. If they 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 needed a diaper change, they cried. And we came running, me and Rhonda. If they, if they hurt themselves, they cried and we came running. If, if they wanted somebody to play with, they cried and we came running. That's what you do, for young babies. But even as we did it, we did it with the expectation that one day they would grow up. You see, if your, if your baby is now a 30-year-old, crying and you come running come on now not to change his diaper but maybe to go to macy's and pay for all of his clothes or her clothes Uh, if they're crying and you come running come on now because they've wrecked their third car and you're getting ready to buy them another there is a problem here you know my my mother-in-law lives with us and she's a fabulous grandmother and as a lot of grandmothers uh think and do you know she wants to make life kind of easy for uh, my 18 year old daughter and 14 year old nephew, and so sometimes she wash some dishes for them or clean up some stuff, and I say, "Mother, mother don 't do that." You're disrupting their partnership training. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I, I don't just want them to clean their room, I want them to clean the house. Partnership training. I, I, I don't just want them to wash the dishes, learn to wash and clean the kitchen. Partnership clean. Come on, come on, boy. Get up and go down five blocks, get these eight items, come back and help your grandmother cook. Come on, somebody shout partnership training. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Because I expect one day uh, they won't be calling on me. I need to be able to call on them. And that's what Jesus is saying in this text. Yeah, I'm going to give you these five gifts. I want you to know that you're radically loved without condition. But I, but I, I, I have an expectation that you will grow up, come on, and that I won't have to keep putting diapers on you, that you will show up, come on, and not just be one who is radically loved, but you'll join me in the work of radically loving. Wow. Well, look, let me, t- let me tell you how this affects our sense of purpose and meaning. You know, one of my favorite passages is Zechariah 2.20. It says, but the Lord is in his holy temple. This is a strange verse. Watch the next part of it. It says, let all the earth be silent before him. You see, I find this confusing because I would think if the Lord is in his holy temple, I would have expected them to say, so let everybody in the sanctuary be silent before him. Or at least everybody in the whole building be silent before him. Or maybe because Jerusalem, come on, is on the high hill and the temple is at the highest point. I could even get, get understand them saying, let everybody in the city be silent before him. But they actually said, back up, come on, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let the earth be silent. Now, in order to understand this, you've got to go to the psalmist here and hear what Psalms 24.1 says. He says this. He says, listen, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it and the world and all its people belong to it. In other words, the earth is God's temple. Wow. You know what that means? That means that every institution, that every institution, every occupation, every technology. That is designed, come on, to do good and to express good in the world is an instrument of God who has declared that the earth is his. Yeah. That they are, they have all been adopted to be instruments of God's radical love in the world. Let me illustrate. What's more loving than police officers? A police officer risking her life to keep you safe. What's more loving, come on now, than uh, doctors and nurses and lab techs working to keep your body healthy? What's more loving than hotel housekeeper workers? who go into rooms that are vacated. Turn those rooms over to make sure that you have a nice place. Come on, to spend your vacation with your family. What's more loving? Then custodian workers who every day show up to make sure the lights are on, that the, the rooms are well cooled or well heated and that everything is working so you can conduct the affairs of business the way you should be conducting it. Come on, what's more loving thinking about uh, 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 how God blesses us? Come on, come on. When you sit down, you, 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 you go into the beauty parlor, or to the barber shop like I do from time to time, and my my wife say, I go in looking like Wolfman Jack. But when I sit down in that chair and they finish messing with me, come on now, I get up and walk out like I'm Denzel Washington. (laughs) <laughs> of Tom Cruise come on now you know what I mean come on when you sit down in that beautiful chair and you feel like a hot mess but when they finish your hair you get up and come on shake your hair like Beyonce or shake your hair like 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 like, like Miss Lopez come on come on come on what's more loving than that the moment I plug into Jesus and I'm nurtured in the right community, I begin to realize that whatever I'm doing in the world, it is an instrument to radically love without condition. My sense of purpose and meaning changes. Wow. And whatever I do in the church is the same. Wow. Can you say wow? Yeah, wow. See, because the earth is the Lord. And everything that's in it has been assigned the purpose of being an instrument of his radical love and work of redemption. Wow. Okay. So, this brings us to our final point. Oh, by the way, let me just summarize. You know, so he says, uh, I want you to love each other the same way that I have loved you. In other words, I've loved you radically without condition. I want you to learn to love radically without conditions. 1 John 3:16 says this. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. He loves us radically without condition. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters that we live lives that love radically without conditions. Well, how does this occur? As I hasten towards the conclusion for this, how does this occur? Well, we plug into, first of all, we plug into Jesus. But where do we learn to love like Jesus? Do we learn it in school? Do we, do, we, do, we, do we learn it in the Air Force or the military? Where do we learn to love like Jesus? Here's the point. I learned to love like Jesus by plugging into a Jesus-first community. Now, I just want to tee this up over the course of the next eight minutes, so I want you to lean in. I'm going to come back to this uh, in full force next weekend, specifically as it relates to NBCC. But there's a remarkable passage of Scripture in the 16th chapter of Acts that models for us what partnership with Jesus and partnership inside of a Jesus-centered community looks like. I call it vertical and horizontal partnership because he not only calls us to be in partnership with him, but with one another. So in the 16th chapter of Acts, we find that it begins in verse 1 talking about Paul and Silas and Timothy. But when it gets to verse 10, all the way to the end of the chapter, and going into the next chapter, you'll find what scholars call the we, us section. That, 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 that everything is about what we. And us, it's about community. It's about a community that has been produced by the power of plugging into Jesus. Listen now. And it is about that same community being the source of world-changing, life-transforming power. Let me illustrate as we track along with Paul and Silas initially. Paul gets a vision. The vision says, we need you to go to Macedonia, the heart of the Roman Empire. There's a city there called Philippi. Jesus has got some work he's got to get done there to launch some new communities that will be (laughs) the claims of community. where people love without condition and transformed. So they show up and notice the we section here starts uh, is modeled here in verse 13. It says so on Sabbath after they got to Philippi, we went a little ways outside the city to a riverbank where. We through people would be, well, we thought people would be meeting for prayer. And we sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. Now, hold on a minute. I want you to get this. By the time we get to the end of the chapter three, Jesus' first communities will have been established. One will be established in a woman's name, Lydia's house. I'm going to talk about her in a minute. One will have been established in the jailhouse. And another one will have been established in the jailer's house. And a surprise happens at the end. Lean in. If somebody's next to you, just tell them, lean in. And so watch as they describe the Lydia experience. They says, uh, so uh, uh, one of them was named Lydia from Tyatara. She was a merchant of expensive purple cloth. She was a businesswoman, y'all. Wealthy businesswoman who worshiped God. She believed in God. She just didn't know anything about Jesus. As she listened to us, see that we, us, community, working together, the Lord, the Spirit of God, opened her heart. And she accepted what Paul was saying. I wonder what Paul was saying to her. Well, in his own words, I'm sure he just laid out the five uh, 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 fruits of knowing Jesus. You discover that you're radically loved without condition. Come on. You're set free from guilt and shame and the fear of death. You're empowered by his spirit. And you discover a new reason for living. I'm sure that's right. And the text says, and so she believed. And she said, come share that with my household. And so they went and shared it with the household. And the text says she and her household were baptized. And, and right there, an explosion took place in, in, her, in her living room. Come on now. a Jesus' first community was born right there. That's the first. Then the text goes on, verse 16. It says, one day, as we, there it is again, uh, the community working together, was going down to a place of prayer again. And we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned, watch this, a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. And and, 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 and at some point, Paul couldn't take it anymore. So he turns to this slave girl and he says, in the name of Jesus Come out of her, and he evicts the evil spirit out of her life. Watch this, and at once in the same time, he liberates her from spiritual domination, and he also sets her free from. Economic exploitation. Look at justice and spirituality working together because the community, y'all, come on. Jesus-centered, Jesus-empowered community is at work. Of course, that creates a reaction, right? So it says her master's hopes of wealth was now shattered. So you know what they did? They grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities of the marketplace and then they had been severely beaten, leather and boned and metal, woven together into a whip and just literally pulled the skin off of them. Come on, flogged them. And then they were thrown into prison. And then the text says that around midnight, somebody shout midnight. The worst part of the pain. Come on, here they are together, Paul and Silas, and together they are praying and singing hymns to God. Here's the insight I want you to get. I'm going to return to this next week when I talk about what it means, how to plug in to an NBCC community. But here's the insight for the day. A Jesus first community engages good times and painful times together. That's right. Together. I I can't tell you what tomorrow will bring. I certainly am not going to promise you that plugging into Jesus and plugging into a Jesus-centered community like NBCC is going to keep you from a 9-11 event or from COVID or from cancer. But here's what I can tell you, that when you plug into a Jesus-centered, come on, faith-nurturing community like NBCC, at least I can speak this for NBCC, that whatever you run into tomorrow, come on now, it will be a we experience because we will be Somebody shout power. Yeah, the power of not being alone. You see, as they were beaten, they went through physical pain together. They went through emotional trauma together. They went through the injustice of being unfairly jailed together. And there they sing great hymns and prayers in the midst of their blood. And the spirit of God fills not just the cell, but the the jail. And evidently somewhere in there, some conversation took place about this one, why and how. And it comes back to a Jesus who loves radically and unconditionally, who sets us free, not just from guilt and shame, but from the fear of death, even in the midst of a jail cell, y'all, and empowers us with the spirit spirit to sing in the midst of our suffering. And then the text says something incredible happens y'all. I I just remind you that that, that, that Jesus said for where two or three gather together uh, as my followers I am there. They found strength from each other but also from the presence of Jesus who was there. And then watch the text says and the other prisoners were listening. And suddenly Miracles started to happen, not before, but on the other side of the trauma, in the middle of the suffering. There was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to the foundations, and all of the doors immediately flew open, miracle number one. And the chains of every prisoner fell off, miracle number two. And the jailer who was responsible for keeping people in prison, and if they got escaped, come on, the government would take his life Come on, he woke up, and when he saw the doors were open, he assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword, getting ready to kill himself. But Paul shouts out, talking about the power, come on now, of a Jesus-centered community that unleashes radical, unconditional love. He shouts, stop! Don't you kill yourself. We are all here. That's the third miracle. You see, I don't know about you, but if I was in prison and the doors open and the chain fell off, no one would have to tell me I'd just be walking out. <laughs> but the text says, we're all here. Why? Because there was an explosion that took place. And, and, and the birth of a brand new Jesus first community was born in the prison. They followed the pastor, Paul's lead. And then the jailer says, sirs, sirs, he says. He called for the lights. And ultimately he says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? He says. And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus that he got up from the dead, (laughs) that he loves you radically and unconditionally, that he sets you free through what he did on Calvary's cross. Come on, from guilt and shame and the fear of death, that he's ready to empower your life with his Holy Spirit and transform the meaning behind your living, that you'll move from being radically loved to being one who loves radically without condition. Believe he says. Watch what the text, watch what the text says, and 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 after sharing this, it says, "Come on," it says, it says, it says, and so they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in the household. And that same hour, watch this. That same hour, the jailer cared for them, washed them. Did you see it? He had experience. Radical, unconditional love by the prisoners holding their place. And so now he takes the one that he has brutalized and he is now washing and cleaning their wounds. He transitions from being a recipient of radical love, come on, to being a dispenser of radical love without conditions. Wow. (laughs) And then the text says, then he, Uh oh, here's the point. You know, Jesus' first community then is an uncommon community. Oh well, let me let me let me show you this. Let me show you. The next thing it says, then he and everyone in his household was immediately baptized. Watch it. It's an uncommon community. Here's what makes it uncommon. <laughs> Three different communities, all part of the same Jesus movement in the city of Philippi, all part of the same larger community. And now we've discovered by the end of the chapter that this is a community that has both Jews and Gentiles. This is a community, I'm talking about this Jesus centered community, come on, that has wealthy women and former slave girls. This is the community, come on, that has. uh, Folk who were unjustly jailed, but also folk who were justifiably jailed, and they all in the same community. And by the way, the jailer and his family is in the same community. What a remarkable, diverse community. And do you know what happened in Lydia's house, and in the jail house, and in the jailer's house? Come on now. In each of those settings, new beginnings took place. Come on. New beginnings for Lydia and her family, new beginnings for the criminals in the jail. New beginnings for the jailer. You know what those new communities were? I just want to call them new com- new beginnings community, y'all. <laughs> yes, it was. And they point to who we're called to be in the world here at NBCC. <laughs> new beginnings community. That's what it means to plug into Jesus and to plug into an uncommon and let me end by asking you this question. Very simple. I'm going to give you a chance in the response to the message. Simply say yes. Do you believe that Jesus is who he said he is? Will you declare this very moment that he will be your all and above all in your life? Are you ready to declare a Jesus first faith? If so, simply say yes. Say yes if you're in San Jose. Say yes if you're online. And maybe you're in a situation where you can't say yes out loud. Just wave your hands. (sighs) Welcome to the beginning of the next season of your life. I hope to see you next week in. And I'll talk about how to plug in to this community. God bless you.